Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. Wisdom and understanding, we're continuing on um, our wisdom series. Next week is going to get even more aggressive, so if you love me after Wednesday and Sunday, you're probably here to stay. Uh, Next week, I'm going to talk about the wise and the fool. And that's very, very clear and cut and dry. (laughs) So anyway, but today I want to talk about wisdom uh, and understanding. Now the word wisdom appears 227 times in the Bible. The word wise appears 207 times. The word understanding appears 155 times. And the words wisdom and understanding, listen to this, appear together... 155 times. So again, the goal of wisdom is to become wise. Wisdom is not simply about information, but it is about transformation. So you have knowledge. Knowledge is the facts. Knowledge is the truth. Knowledge is the bottom line. You have understanding. Understanding means you understand the information. You could read a document, have all of the knowledge right there, but not understand what it actually means. Right? Wisdom is the correct and the proper administration of that knowledge. So this is ver- these, are, these are important. And you're going to see later that there's a whole bunch of words that you find them together. These words are together in Scripture in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, so you have to take note of that. You want to think about real carefully who you spend time with. So you're going to see who wisdom spends time with. Now, wisdom is referred to, this is very fascinating, in the Hebrew as a feminine. Wisdom is talked about as a lady, she, lady wisdom, you could call her. But then in Proverbs 8, It's referred to as He, which is the second person in the Trinity, the Word of God, the Son of God, who is the wisdom and power of God. So sometimes in Hebrew and in Greek, words have feminine and masculine tenses. Like I'll give you another one. It says this in in, in the New Testament. Let patience work her perfect work. That's That's a feminine attribute. All right. I'm just now. This is King Solomon. Uh, last week we talked about God showed up and said, "What do you want?" A, a discerning, wise, an understanding heart. God says, "Cool. I'm going to give you riches, honor, life. There's never be anyone like you. You're going to be the high water mark." So when God asks you something, knowing what to ask for at the right time is big. Leonard Ravenhill, the the, the famous old school preacher has a quote and he says this, you must seize the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of that opportunity because sometimes things only come around one time and if you don't grab hold of it and lay hold of it, you'll miss it. Yesterday, something came up before me and I was able to grab hold of it where before I couldn't do it. You see, but sometimes things don't come back around. So you have to, you have to, you have to watch and be ready. In the spirit, in the natural, 
you, you have to be ready. Or you'll miss something that is good that you would not be able to get in a different situation. So you, wisdom, wisdom watches and looks. Okay, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs also says there is no wisdom or counsel against the Lord, which means that if it contradicts this, it's not God and it's not wise. I'll give you an economic one. Economic one, you will hear economic people who are smarter than me and have more money say this. There's good debt and bad debt. You know the Bible does not speak once about good debt? Not once. So where do you get your worldview? Wall Street? Where people jump out the window? Or the kingdom of God where the windows of heaven open up and pour out a blessing? Amen. See, you, you, where do you get your mentality from? I'm not going to get into that today because that'll, that'll turn into a whole nother, uh, <laughs> that'll turn into a boxing match with the devil. But, but when, you, when you begin to address people's worldview and where they respond and desire and, and make choices from, that's when it starts to get. So anyway, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that means that when I have an understanding that I'm going to stand before God, I begin to make choices that honor God. Very simple. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge to know or to experience or to know by revelation and experience the Holy One is understanding. So that means that someone that does not really know God doesn't understand. Have you ever talked to someone and you're like, they really don't get it. They can be here for 10 years and you listen to them, you hear them talk, you see them and you're like, they really don't get it. Have you ever encountered someone? Maybe you're like, that's kind of like me. <laughs> okay. Do you know the issue is that they don't know him? They don't know him. That's what Jesus said when, when people wanted to kill him, persecute him. He said they don't know the father. They don't know him. So they don't, when you don't know God intimately and personally and in reality, there's a level of understanding that you don't, you just don't have. This is why I don't take counsel from the world. I don't take counsel for people who live in fear. I don't take count. You have to be very cautious on what you let speak into your life. Very cautious on who and what speaks into your life. So now it says this in Proverbs that they that seek the Lord understand all things. That doesn't mean we're know-it-alls. What it means is when you seek God, when you pursue God, everything that is necessary for you to understand, you will. I told my pastor one time privately, I just don't understand you. You know what he said to me? It's not your job to understand me. It's your job to understand you. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand their way, not his way. <laughs> you don't have to understand me. You don't have to figure me out and you don't have to get a reading. Get a reading on what God called you to do. <laughs> okay. Humility... Humility is not, listen, it's not a false Sunday smile with a little gentle tone. A church. Humility is the deep knowing and need for God and people. You cannot separate your need for God from your need from God's people. You cannot separate your need from God from the need to do things God's way. 
You can't. You're lying to yourself. You hurt yourself that way. And I don't want you to hurt yourself. I really don't. Okay. Humility is a characteristic of the wise, which we're going to get into next week, the wise and the fool. And it's in the Proverbs and in the Gospels. This week we're going Proverbs and Epistles. So we're going to go back and forth. While arrogance is an attribute of a fool. Pride become, comes before a fall. So pride tells you you're going to rise and all you do is fall. Greed says, oh, I'm going to have more and all you have is less. The world's way is not sustainable. God's way, because they are eternal, they are sustainable. This is important. All right. You will abuse your humanity doing things the world's way. I'm just going to tell you that. You will hurt yourself and you will hurt other people. And if I do it, I will do the same thing. We will, as humans, hurt ourselves trying to live our own way instead of God's way. Now, Proverbs 3 uh, is Solomon speaking. And, you know, what, wisdom is not only heard, but it is seen in how we live. You know that when the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon, she saw his house, how his servants dressed, how food was presented, the transition from his house to God's house, the words that he spoke, and wisdom becomes visible. Wisdom is something that you can see, it's something that you can hear. Wisdom is when you put the right people together for the right purpose. Wisdom... Wisdom is, is essential in all of your gettings. Get wisdom, get understanding. You, you need this in your life. To be wisdom, you're going to see, makes you sure-footed. So that when you plant your feet, it doesn't slip. See, it, when, you, when you make decisions that are not wise, you lose. I know I've done it. I'm telling you, I'm not pointing no fingers. I'm saying I've been there and I'm not going there ever again. Okay, now... <laughs> My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. The commandments of God are not to strip you, are not to take anything from you, but they're to add to you. Now, if you don't see it that way, you'll rob yourself of what? Length of days, long life, peace. Can I say something to you about length of days and, and, and long life? That's a, that's a promise that we should hold on to. That God would give us the power to fulfill the number of our days. It's very sad when someone does not fulfill the, the number of their days. That happened to my mom. She did not fulfill the number of her days. She died young and that was not the will of God for her life. But there's things in our life that happen if we don't take care of certain things that we'll cut ourselves short. That's a life lesson, but I and, I and I say that because it's real. Okay. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so you shall find favor, listen to this, favor and high esteem, I'm going to tell you about that, in the sight of God and man. 
Let me show you what high esteem is. High esteem is when six people call someone and you're at the bottom of the list and they see your number and they hit go and they hit you first. Someone who is highly esteemed is when they call you, you pick the phone up. You go, oh, they're calling me? Okay, boom. Favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Do you know when you have favor and high esteem, it's easier to move? You can do things that other people can't do. All right. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Not in some of your ways, not in the ways that are convenient. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. That means that before I move, I talk to him. Before I move, I check in with him. Yesterday I was going to do something. Before I went to do it, I picked the phone up and called my wife. We don't move apart. We move together. You, and, and so first it's God, then it's my wife. Then I, I surround myself with wise counsel. Then I'm picking the phone up and I'm speaking to Brett. I'm gonna, before I move, I'm going to find people that know about what I'm engaging with. So whatever you're doing in your life, consult with people who know what they're talking about. Don't just go and move without, without wisdom. I have done it. I'm not pointing no fingers at you. And I'm telling you, it's not a good idea. <laughs> all right? So now, in all your ways, acknowledge him. So I acknowledge him, and then he, what? he directs me. So that means that I don't direct me. When I lead on my own understanding, guess who directs me? Guess who's the director of my life? <laughs> the director. <laughs> you know, th three minutes later, you see the car crash against the, you know, the wall at 100 miles an hour. The director did that, you know, instead of acknowledging him and letting him direct me. He will give you direction. This is very important. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct your paths. Now, do not be wise in your own eyes. Someone who is wise in their own eyes will not ask the direction of other people. They will not seek wise counsel. When someone, listen to me, when someone is going to do something stupid, they will avoid and evade people that will tell them differently. We do that as men. You, <laughs> you know what the wisdom of God sounds like? Sometimes your wife. <laughs> We, you don't want to do something, you do something dumb, you, you evade your wife, you, like, you do the wiggle, and then you go, oh, that was really dumb. She'd be like, yeah, I would have told you that. That's why you didn't talk to her, because you knew. Have you done that? Only I done that? Oh. We used to have a, we used to have a, we were so poor when I started the ministry, we were so broke that I had a $100 rule. I couldn't spend $100 of my own money without the consent of my wife. That's how poor we were. And I got myself that rule because I went and bought myself a $250 custom Bible. And she was like, why did you do that? And we were really, I mean, I couldn't afford to pay attention type poor. And, and I mean, and then that rule served us well. Now we don't have those rules because, but you, you have to understand that certain times, certain boundaries serve you. You know, one of the things that wisdom does, wisdom sets boundaries. You know, God is the one that told the sea, stop. Wisdom sets boundaries. You, you need, listen to me, 
you need boundaries in your life. Do you know dysfunctional people don't have boundaries? The more broken and the more dysfunctional people are, the less boundaries they have. The more healthy you are, the more boundaries you have. All right. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So the fear of the Lord is the power to depart from evil. Not to participate with evil. Do you know one of the ways early Christians were known in the ancient world is that they would not participate in the feasts that were about food sacrificed to idols and orgies and sexual promiscuity in public. They would not participate. That's how they knew, oh, y'all are different. Yes, we do not live for the gratification of the body. The body is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Oh, wow. Y'all different. Yeah, we're different because we have a different king. So what you participate with and don't participate with is a reflection of are you wise or not? Which we're going to get into that next week. Okay. Now, it will be health to your flesh and strength. Say strength. To your bones. Wisdom and the fear of the Lord and the word of God strengthens your flesh so that your flesh is not dominated by what it wants. And it also strengthens, which I'm going to touch on that in a second, your, your bones are the structure of your life. If a structure is not strong, it breaks. There's, there's, there is a famous powerlifting strength coach who died. His name was Louis Armstrong. He, he, he made a crazy documentary. It's a little bit, you know, aggressive, but, but it's on Netflix. And this is what Louis Armstrong said. Louis Armstrong said, weak things break. Weak things break. Okay. So when, when you fear the Lord, you are strengthening the very structure of your life. Now, we talk about flesh to flesh to flesh to flesh. Do you know David's flesh learned to cry out and long for the presence of the Lord? Your flesh will crave and desire whatever you give it. David says that my heart and my flesh cried out for the presence of God. Your flesh can learn to desire the presence of God. Can I tell you something about my flesh? My flesh needs the presence of God. Needs it. Because my flesh is not Mr. Congeniality flesh. You know how some people are nice people and they're like easy. My flesh doesn't want you and anything to do with you or you imposing anything on me. My flesh doesn't want to be bothered with people. My flesh likes to be by itself. It's a happy flesh. Big and happy. But now, what happens is your flesh, if you don't discipline your flesh, it will discipline you. That's one of the powers of fasting, is you're telling your flesh, yo, pal, you're not in charge. Shut up. You're not going to eat today. You got to tell yourself that. And I'm not telling you fast every day all the time, but if the Holy Spirit leads you to fast, do it because there's things that you learn from it. One of the most powerful things we learn from fasting is how to say no to ourselves. Which, if we don't learn how to say no to ourselves, we will self-destruct. Without self-control, people self-destruct. Relationally, sexually, and economically, in every way, without self-control, we will self-destruct. That, that is the hardwire 
of humans under the influence of sin and death. Okay, but we don't, we're not, we don't have to live under that influence because Jesus broke the power of that. So that means that you're not what you did last summer. You're not what happened to you. You're not your desires. You're not your temptations. You're who God says you are. And if you renew your mind, you will have mastery over your flesh. If you don't renew your mind, your flesh will be the dominant one in your life. Sometimes you have to tell your flesh, flesh, you may be tired, but you are going to finish today strong. Flesh, you may be tired, you are going to finish this workout. Flesh, you may want that whole bag of Doritos, but flesh, look at you, you don't need that whole bag of Doritos. Okay? Honor the Lord with your possessions. Don't be possessed by your possessions. I cannot honor the Lord with something that possesses me. Honor the Lord with your possessions, which means that you should have possessions. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. The problem is when stuff has you. That's the problem. The problem is not stuff. Because here's the problem. If you take the stuff, it is a stuff all by itself. <laughs> it's stuff without you. You're the one that's supposed to be in charge of it. It's like money. If you drop money on the floor, money doesn't run and start doing evil stuff. And you know, money is neutral. Money is a reflection of the value system of those who hold it or those who are held by it. So, so you know, it's not, it's easy. It, it, money is not evil. It, it is the love of money that is the root of evil. Amen. Which is really the power that it gives you because the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of riches. Money lies to you and says that you're more than you really are. You see this all the time because a rich businessman gets on TV and he starts talking about something he doesn't know about and he makes himself look like an idiot. But since he's rich, they go, oh, he's a rich idiot. So we'll have him on TV. But he still doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know. Money lies to you and makes you overvalue your opinion. Bill Gates, he thinks he's your doctor and your nanny and your farmer. But he made Excel, bro. Leave me alone. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. I'll give you something. I'll give you a freebie. I was going to use my cash back towards something. But instead of using it on my bill, I, I released the money to myself. Why? Because I cannot tithe. I cannot give God of the first fruits of my increase if I do that. The first fruits of all of your increase. So if, if someone gives me $1,000, the first fruits are the first 10%. This is important. This is about trusting the Lord. It's about, it's a discipline. If you're not disciplined with finances, I'm teaching my kids now things that I were not taught. By the time my children are my age, they'll be worth five or 10 times more than I am. I'm teaching them, but you have to teach them. Some of you were not taught. Some of you had bad examples. I understand that. But let's reverse this. Let's, let's train the next generation to be powerful. The Bible calls them to rule in the gates of their enemies, not bow before their enemies. Not compromise at school. Not be afraid. Not be afraid on the playground. Not, I mean, my, my, son, my son is five years old. And this young kid, this, this, this kid, this is a very sad story, but he goes, I have two mommies. My son said, that's bad and that's evil. 
at five years old, he doesn't have any fear of speaking up. We got to raise our children to know the truth, to love the truth, and to speak the truth in love. Not to back down. This is not a communist country. We are not in Saudi Arabia. Open up your mouth and speak and don't be afraid. Your boss is not your governor. Open up your mouth and speak. Don't be afraid. Okay. Honor the Lord with your possessions with the first fruits of your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty. This is the intention of God. Filled with plenty. Say plenty. plenty. You know what that means? More than enough. You know what that means? When you sit down at the restaurant, you, the first thing you're looking at is not the price. What is it that I want to eat? I'm not telling you to be frivolous or ignorant or pretend like you're something you're not. But I'm saying that God wants us to have more than enough. When God originally created Adam and woman, there was no lack, no sin, no sickness, no death. The original intentions of God shows God's heart for his people. Do you think I have children because I want them to grow up in lack? Do you think I said, me and my wife said, you know what, let's have children so they can grow up poor and, and be dysfunctional. That would be amazing. But that's how some people think God is. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. This is, this is, this is a metaphor. It's talking in an, in an agricultural society, but wine also in, in its proper context, not in an abusive context, is a, uh, a symbol of celebration and joy. My son, watch this, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Nor detest his correction, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a mother who tries to play the role of a father. Oh, it doesn't say that. It says, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So if I delight in my son, I will discipline him. That is not the job of the mother. Discipline and identity come from a father. Inheritance, houses, and riches come from a father. Nurture, care, and gentleness come from a mother. I cannot be a mother. And a, and a woman should not be a father. Trying to do that damages the relationship that children have with their father. That's what bitter women do. Bitter women damage the relationship that children have with their father. And the same thing with bitter men. You want to do everything you can to protect that relationship, to nurture that relationship, and to play your part in that relationship. Zoe knows if she's acting up, I will look at her and she'll almost start crying. I will just look at her because she doesn't want to displease me. But that's my job to hold the line. That's my job. You cannot do your wife's job, and your wife cannot do your job. This is why growing up in a broken family is so detrimental to the psyche of, of 
people. And I, and I don't say that in a judging way. I say that you have a chance now to hold this thing together to save this thing. And if you don't, maybe you get another try later. But, but now, let's for those of you who haven't done it or getting ready to do it, let's do it the right way. Let's take our responsibilities seriously before God. This is important. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. So one of the expressions of God's love for us is his correction to us. Because I love you and you're not a bastard, you're not a, a fatherless son, I'm not going to leave you acting like a bastard. That's what the Bible says. You, 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 I, my kids, if they start acting up, I say, we, in this house, we don't interact like that. That's my job. Okay. I'm going to get off that. Very next one. Here's what everybody likes. Happy! Happy! You know that sounds So happy! Everyone's medicating going, happy! <laughs> it's like popping in on the press. It's happy! Happy is the man who finds wisdom. There we go. Happy! Everyone's like, oh, I'm going to discipline my kids. Happy! Come on, let's get happy for a second. Happy! It's a man who finds wisdom on the heels of whom the Lord loves, he chastens. <laughs> Scene one is you're getting chased around the house. You know, <laughs> Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Come on. Isn't it good? I, I'm thankful that when I met Jesus, he did not leave me like he found me. It's beautiful that he's like, come as you are with your broken down self. That's all right. I came all limping. I know I was messed up. But thank God he didn't leave me that way. Thank God he didn't leave you that way. Thank God that we have a father in heaven who loves us enough to speak to us clearly and plainly to bring healing, wholeness, and blessing into our life. This whole thing started with, he wants to add length of days, life, and peace to you. That's what wisdom does. That's what happens when the words are coming out of his mouth and getting into your heart and then coming in through your life and your mouth, it makes you happy is the man who finds wisdom. And can I be honest with you? Guess what we all want? We all have one thing in common. We do. We all want to be happy. Oh, don't lie to me now. Don't lie, don't get religious on me. <laughs> I mean, we like, you want to be sad? I've been sad, I don't want to be sad. You want to be happy. You know, a happy Christian is a much better witness. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, the world is coming to an end. It's only, it's only getting worse, it's all prophesied in Matthew. 24, and uh, Santa Christ is coming, and uh, it's just all, just all written, it's just going to happen, it's just getting worse, it's just darker, and it's just it's like, oh my God, it's just like, yeah, 
amazing. I really don't want whatever it is that you have and are on, no thanks. I'm good on all that. That YouTube confusion, I'm good on all that, bro. Thanks a lot. Have a nice day. I'll pray for you. <laughs> happy, happy, happy is the man that finds wisdom. You know that wisdom affects your feelings. We like feelings when they're feeling good, right? <laughs> so we love feelings when they're feeling good. You know? it's like we love feelings when they are feeling good. When they're not feeling good, we don't want to talk about feelings. I, I can tell you the funniest story. I was, I was at Sarah's sister's house, and so she has four kids she adopted and two of her own children, and there's a little, little, uh, little one of the little girls, I don't know what her name, forget it, it's like, just a little girl, and, <laughs> and so she's playing with me, and she has like a, a walkie-talkie, right, and I'm on the walkie-talkie, and I'm talking to her, she's looking at me, she's cute, and I'm playing, we're playing, and I go, you want to talk about feelings? And she goes... And puts it down and starts walking, <laughs> <and> starts walking away. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. So wisdom gives me more gains than gold. Listen to me. Wisdom attracts wealth. Wisdom attracts wealth more than work. Bro, there's people that work, 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 and got no wealth, and there's people that have the right thing to say and the right strategy at the right time, and wealth is attracted to them. I'm not saying hard work is bad. I think you should do it, but I'd rather you have wisdom and work wisdom and let wisdom work you then instead, overworking to be rich, which only, it flies away. Okay, now. For her proceeds are better than that uh, of silver and her gains of gold. She is more precious or valuable than rubies. You like rubies? Have you ever seen a nice red ruby? Ruby is nice in a ring. Nice red ring. Yellow gold, all right. No, only pastor likes that. I'm sorry. Mary's not here today. Anyway, okay, so she is more precious than rubies and all of the things, listen to this, that you desire, do we desire things? Okay, that's all right. I'm not, I'm not against you. I hope you do well. I'd rather you do well. If everyone's broken out and losers, it's like, Pastor needs a new, something else to do. I got to do something else. So I want you to do well. I just want you to know that. I am for you. Some people may not be for me, but I am for you. <laughs> Pastors, some folks are, can I tell you folks are crazy? Let me just give you some. They'd be like, whoo, why a pastor got to drive that car? Why has he got to have this and that? Do you think pastors get together and go, why does a, why does a barber have a, a G-Wagon? Why, why does an accountant have a Mercedes truck? Do you think we think about that? We don't care. We want you to do good crazy even the idea of that is, is such a poverty mentality it's so sad it's so sad that you can work 60 hours a week and be completely broke on the inside it's so sad 
Like, why does he have to have this? Why does she? And I'm not talking about you guys. I'm just saying that mentality is a loser mentality. Nobody's like, why does a drug dealer have a Rolls Royce? He's a drug dealer, man. <laughs> what you think? <laughs> anyway, whatever. All right. She is more precious than rubies. All of the things that you desire cannot compare to her, which means that wisdom is more valuable than material stuff that is highly valuable because it has the potential to keep performing and keep getting because if you apply knowledge correctly, it produces versus if I have a gem, let's say I have a huge gem, okay, it's going to go up in value. It may double, triple, but there, there is eventually a cap. But wisdom is unlimited. Okay. She is more precious than rubies. All the things you desire cannot compare to her. Length of days is in her right hand. So, so a long, good life. Do we want that? Okay. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and her paths of peace. So pleasant, let me, it's a joy to be around pleasant, peaceful people. Last night, me and my wife, it was like heaven on earth. She's in my office. She has her noise-canceling headphones. I have my noise-canceling headphones. We are in a very peaceful environment with no conflict. I can sit there all day and all night because there's no conflict. It's peaceful. Peaceful and pleasant. This is what we want. Maybe you're like, that ain't my life. Okay, but you can, in Christ, you can go there. And if you deal with whatever is bothering you, and, and you, then you can, you, you, you got a, a much better chance of getting there. Okay. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy, again, goes back to that. Or, or it goes, you know, sometimes it always goes back to what we want is to be happy. And I want you to be happy. I'd rather you be happy than sad. Uh, happy are all who retain her. The Lord, now watch this, the Lord found, uh, by wisdom founded the earth and by understanding he established the heavens. So wisdom builds, wisdom founded, and understanding established. So together in your move spiritually, economically, relationally, emotionally, do you know that you need understanding emotionally? To be empathetic, compassionate, and wise, you need understanding. Like, I, I know, like, let me explain something to you. When you have a relationship that's valuable to you, right, you begin to understand what does that person that is in relationship with you need from you. What is it? that they need from you because people have needs. They could be needy, they got needs. They could be not needy, they still have needs. They could be poor, they have needs. They could be rich, they have needs. What is it that that person needs from you? In other words, why are they picking their phone up and calling you? What is it that they need from you? When you serve that need, they naturally serve your needs. I was explaining to something with Zoe the other day and I said, Zoe, let me give you a lesson. Sit down. Let me, I, wanna, I didn't tell her to sit down, but I just gave her a lesson standing. I said, let, let me tell you something. I said to her, Zoe, when you help people get what they want, 
in life in a good way, they will naturally help you get what you want. Naturally. This is, this is actually how relationships are supposed to work. I'm not talking about bribery or manipulation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if I know that something is important to you and I take my power and I influence because what is important to you is good and valuable and I use it for you, then naturally you're going to want to reciprocate and use your power or influence for me. So now our relationship is built on serving each other, not trying to get something from each other. And that relationship will bear fruit. Those are the relationships that matter in your life. If it's all one way, minister to them, love them, encourage them, pray for them, support them, be patient with them, all that, yeah. But that's a one-way street. That's not a two-way, that's not a relationship. That's a ministry obligation. And you should do that. And you should do it with joy and with love and with patience. But that's different. Okay. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna come out. Now this is Paul. We're gonna we're gonna jump. Oh wait, do you know that wisdom is seen in nature? Solomon, for those of you who like to hug trees, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. All right, Proverbs 20, uh, 30, 24. There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. Listen to me. Say exceedingly wise. Very, I don't know about you, but I like exceedingly. Exceedingly sounds like abundantly, and I, I vote for that because that is happy. It's like, okay, just whatever. It's fine. Uh, you know. All right. They are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people. Ants. They are a people. Not strong, yet they prepare their food in summer. So ants know how to seize what they have in preparation for a different season. Wisdom prepares. Number two, the rock badgers are a feeble folk. Yet, they make their home in the crags or in the caves. So, they are not like a lion walking around. like they, they are feeble and they are not really intimidating, but they know where to find refuge. Number two, you, know, you have to learn how to prepare for what's coming, spiritually, economically, relationally, uh, positionally. You have to learn how to prepare. You have to prepare. Abraham had an army before he had a war. It's too late to build an army when you have a war on your hands. Okay, three. The locusts have no king, yet they advance in rank. You have to learn to fall into your place and advance. Not to be told what to do, to naturally see what you need to do fall into order, and move out. You should naturally see what you're supposed to be doing. I shouldn't have to tell you. If I have to come to you and go, you know, well, you're really gifted at pictures. You should take pictures. I shouldn't have to say that. You should know that. Thank you, D. <laughs> right? Okay. Next one. 
the spider skillfully grasps within its hands and is in a king's palace. So a spider knows how to get into a favorable place. You got to learn how to get in. This is why some people are stuck in life. You don't, you are, <laughs> oh my gosh. You're not hungry. You're not asking the right questions. You don't press so you don't have anything. Always hungry people get fed. People who don't speak, I'm a nonverbal. If you're nonverbal, you're going to rob yourself of what you, we don't know about you until you verbalize it. Because I cannot fulfill expectations that you have not stated. And the ones you state, I still may not fulfill them. Because that's not my job. But unverbalized expectations always leads to disappointment. Even in a great marriage, even in a good church, even, even in a good business, if you don't verbalize, if you don't explain, if you don't learn how to get in, you can't be in. That's why you know who's growing? The people that are in. The people that are in, the people that go, the people that are committed, the people that come, the people that give, the people that serve, the people, those are the people that are growing. Because they want to grow, there is a desire, there is an intention, there is a follow-through, so then that's what happens. So those are those four expressions. Now, Paul prayed, I'm gonna finish. Oh preach. <laughs> <Right? laughs> now we just started the message here in the New Testament here. <laughs> Paul is writing to Colossians, and I'm I'm not gonna do the whole uh, thing here, but here, here, here is, if you look at these scriptures, you have homework, you can write these scriptures down, this is everywhere you find wisdom, let me get out of the picture, this is everywhere you find wisdom in the book of Colossians, really a good little read before bed, it's like four chapters, you can read it in like 20 minutes is like less than one Netflix episode. <laughs> I'm not going to judge you. All right. Now, this is Paul, and this is one of his apostolic prayers. Now, remember, he's writing, but he's going to go black church, and he's going to go from writing to singing. Ever, ever, ever been in a black church and the pastor is preaching, 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 and he starts singing? You guys are lucky I don't sing. If I sing, you'd be here all day. I'd be like, ah, I'd be singing. Be like, oh, man, Jesus. So anyway, so Paul, Paul is writing, and then he starts a poem. He starts singing. He goes black church on them. So for this reason, this is one of the apostolic prayers. If you're ever familiar with IHOP, this is when they start going like this. Okay, for this reason, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you would be filled with the knowledge, which is super knowledge, it's like this, this hidden knowledge, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might 
according to his glorious power for with all patience and long suffering with joy suffering with a smile <laughs> suffering with a song Paul and Silas giving thanks wherever there's joy there's thanks giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has, not will, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, the power of shadiness. Shady! <laughs> and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption, which means to be bought back from the slave market. You are like on the market like, hey, Jesus is like, you know, broken down, I, I busted up. Jesus is like, I'll take that one. You know that people are sold all the time? It used to be a public thing. Now they do it in like warehouses and private airports and stuff. But, but you, you know that this is, this is public. Jesus did it for you in public. In public, he chose you. So choose him in public. Okay. Okay, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins, which is the cancellation of debts, which is also public. He is the image of the invisible God. This is where it starts to get into a song. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, and all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. Christ was not created. Christ is the creator. Amen. Very man. This is the, the, the Nicene Creed. AD 325. Very man. Capital M of very man. And very God. Capital G of very God. Fully God, fully man. He did not become God. He became a man. Amen. That is the mystery of our faith. It is not ascension. It's condescension. It's, it's him coming down. It's radical love and radical humility. And it goes against everything that humans desire. It, it is at war with happy. It's stronger than happy because it's joy. And wherever there's real joy, there's happiness, you know. It's like, you can't have joy and not be happy. It's like, but you can be happy and not have joy. It's different. So anyway, he's praying for, for the church at Colossae, and he's praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled. This goes back to the idea of abundance. When you are filled with the experiential knowledge that is based upon understanding and wisdom, it is easy and natural to find what does God want from you. Because you're overflowing what does he want from you. What does he want for you. It's not difficult. This is the, this is the main thing that I've seen over the last 20 years roughly. When people really don't know what to do, the real issue is usually, nine out of ten times, they don't know who they are. Once you know who you are, what you do is a natural byproduct of who you are. 
When, when who you are is not settled, and this, this happens in young people, in the developing of a man, in the developing of a woman, in your spiritual growth, also sometimes it's age. It's a bunch of different factors where you grow kind of like into your skin. You, you grow into who you're supposed to be in Christ and you are aware of what it is that he wants. You become aware. It becomes easy. It's not a mystery because the mystery has been revealed. And you have understanding concerning the mystery and you know how to apply what he wants, which is wisdom. So he's, he's praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will, that they would know what, does it, what is it that God wants. Why? So that they would be answers to Jesus' prayer, that God's will would be done, that God's kingdom would come. In Colossae, as it is in heaven, in West New York, as it is in heaven, in Bergen County, in New York City, wherever you are is where the embassy goes. You are the ambassador. You are an ambassador of the kingdom, so you do not just represent yourself, but you represent the kingdom. That's why you have to learn how to carry yourself. Imagine if, if I represent the United States and I'm an ambassador and they find me drunk on the floor, all sloppy, coke on my nose, all beat up in Venezuela. How can they take the United States seriously if the ambassador is broken down? This is why it is very important that Christians learn repentance and, and forgiveness and healing and they learn how to get healthy and strong because you represent a kingdom that is ever increasing. So you should be ever increasing. Listen to me. You're smart. Would you want to listen to someone that is not increasing? <laughs> I mean, I, I listen to people that are increasing. I listen to people that are old and still want to get better, that are old and still growing, that are old and still vulnerable about their own humanity. You, you, you want to be around people that are committed to movement, like the locusts. They, they don't have a king, but they advance. They, they fall into place and they move. This, this as kingdom people, as, a, as we, we are citizens of a kingdom that is not shaken and that is ever increasing, so we should learn to be increasing. Do you know faithfulness leads to increase? So that means that we don't even have to be preoccupied with increase. But we have to be preoccupied with faithfulness. And then increase will come. Increase will come to you. Increase will come. But if you put increase before faithfulness, you get decrease. And that's the allure many times where we're tempted because we need increase. We want it. We think we need it. We kind of need it. There's a blend of, <laughs> of all that, you know. There's a blend. It's a mixture. It's never like, oh, it's, it's a mixture of a bunch of different things. And when we begin to trade off faithfulness and we negate our position and our responsibility, we get out of position for that which God wants to do. I've been there. It's not a good place to be. I'm not there. I'm not living there. But, you know, 
this is important. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. So when you have wisdom, wisdom affects how you walk and it affects the words that you speak. Walking worthy of the Lord. Like when you buy something, let's get, let's, let's get, let's get human. When you buy something, you want what you paid for. I'm a person that if they give me the wrong food at the restaurant, I'm going to nicely and sweetly go up and say, I ordered this. Would you be able to help me with that? I appreciate that. Really, I don't mind waiting. I'll be patient. I'm going to be nice to them, number one. I'm going to be patient with them, number two. And there's three reasons. One reason, I don't want you spitting in my food. That's one reason. Second, I'm an ambassador of the kingdom. That's really the first reason. The second reason is I don't want you spitting in my food. The third reason is when you are kind and nice to people, they are happy to help you. Let me, let me, let me give you an example. We go to the Dominican Republic. Sarah booked all the rooms. She could not get them to uh, get us a room together. So I, I was like, no problem. You know, like <laughs> so, but we had two rooms with a locked door and a, and a deadbolt, which is what we were looking for. But when we were trying to book the rooms online, they wouldn't let us do that. So I walk up to the desk. Hello. I know you'd love to help me. Here's what I need from you. Okay, no problem. Boom, he did it. When, when, you, when you approach people that way, people are most of the time happy to help you. You know why? Because helping me makes him feel good. If he says, oh, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do for you, it helps him feel even more powerless. Someone who already doesn't feel powerful because he's underpaid, overworked, and lives in a different situation than he works in. They know. They were in the house of one of the women that worked at the hotel that we were at. Y'all know. So that means that guy helping me is not just helping me, he's helping him. And when you come at people with wisdom and kindness, and, and you're, you know, the Bible says that the law of kindness is on a virtuous woman. Do you know that we are a virtuous woman? We are the bride of Christ. I'm not a woman. You know, I'm not a woman. But we are the bride of Christ. We are God's woman. We are the bride. We are the church. I'm not talking about some confusion in the spirit. I'm talking about we collectively are the people of God. We are collectively the people that God's own son yoked his name to. The power is not in my name. The power is in his name. That's why when you get married, you're supposed to change your name. You are not who you once were. We bear his name. He said, if you're faithful, I'll write my name on you. Amen. That's important. You don't need 42 last names. Get married, take the person's name, do the right thing. 600 names, you got 48 names. I mean, well, I don't even understand that. that. This is crazy. Anyway, so, oh Lord. You want to keep the name of a dude who left you. You don't even know your father. You're keeping his name. You never met him. People, that, that's what pain does to you. It really makes you illogical. You don't even, you know. Anyway. All right. So now, giving thanks, being thankful, walking in wisdom, strengthened by God's power is the thing. God's power, which we don't talk about, God's power makes us Patient. Can I tell you something? We don't like to be patient. 
We do not like to wait. We don't like to be patient. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. The other day I bought something and I felt happy with myself because I resisted the urge to get expedited shipping. <laughs> One of my friends said, oh man, I would have got expedited shipping. I said, no, they're not getting any more of my money. <laughs> Sometimes you have to just resist the urge to God's power, we never talk about this, God's power makes us patient. When Paul talks about him as an apostle, he said, I came with mighty signs and wonders, but with patience. It is not easy to be patient. We want power. We want miracles. We want supernatural. You want finances. You want increase. Patience. Patience. You know why what's powerful about patience? In patience, you possess your soul. That's what Jesus said to his disciples when he talked about the fall of Jerusalem. They said, in patience, you possess your soul. So when you're talking about suffering, patience, you possess your soul. If you don't possess your own soul, nothing, you don't possess anything, and everything you have possesses you. The situation you're in possesses you. Your finances possess you. The circumstances possess you. Other people's opinion possess you. But when you have patience, you possess your own soul, your mind, your will, and emotions, your operating system is not under the witchcraft and manipulation of other people, but you are living from the kingdom of God that is within you, which is righteousness, peace, and joy, and someone else's anxiety is not going to push you to act. Why? Because you represent a kingdom and you are an ambassador. So when you want to scream at your husband or yell at your wife, maybe you don't do that. Or, you know, when you want to be impetuous and say something nasty or when you remember you're an ambassador. And if we fall short, we have an advocate who makes up the difference, right? But we can live like this, just so you know, because he's delivered us from darkness, has Past tense, has. Has delivered us. You may not be walking in that deliverance. It's yours. And if you don't believe it, you'll never receive it. You will never receive what you don't believe. People are like, oh, uh, that will never happen for me. Yep, it won't. Oh, I'll never do that. Nope. Oh, I'll never spend that kind of money on a watch. No, you won't. <laughs> I'll never buy a car like that. It's too expensive to fix. No, you won't. Your words will limit your life. Many people, and your words either create space in your life for God to move and God to show up, or you create an opportunity to bring satanic stuff upon yourself because you curse yourself with your own words. You see this with kids. They go, oh, why are you so stupid? You're just like your father. You're just like this. You're just like your... They curse their generations with their mouth. Watch your words. In the New Testament, if you go into the whole book of James, which I'm not going to do, because then it would be a full hostage. This is like a three-quarter hostage, and we're closing in. This is like, you know, the plane is, is it's not going to land. It's just going to crash against the wall and top gun. Remember when the plane just crashes? Like, this is no way to land this plane. I'm preaching an eternal gospel of everlasting kingdom that knows no end. I'm never really finished. It's just time to leave. 
I'll go home and preach to myself after I wake up from my nap. <laughs> anyway, all right. So he has delivered us in, into the kingdom of his son, the son of whom he loves, the son in which all of his love is upon him. This is the beauty of the new covenant. The new covenant means I don't have a covenant with God. You know why? I will default on my loan. <laughs> they will come and repossess my Escalade. <laughs> that never happened to me, but that's very painful to see that happen to someone. <laughs> they come and repo your car. Woo, the repo man. You, you walk outside in your underwear. <laughs> like, what happened? Your car's gone, you know. Anyway, I pray that never happens to you. But we will default on our loan. Jesus will not. The new covenant is based on an agreement the father has with his son. The scripture says that God swore on an oath. The New Jersey translation is just like God saying, I swear to God. <laughs> I swear on my son. I swear on my son's life. <laughs> Can you hear someone say that? <laughs> I swear to God. So anyway, that's like God saying, I swear on the life of my son that I will not break the agreement that I made in and with my son. So when we come into Jesus, we come into the kingdom, we come into that covenant. That is why it's good because where Adam failed, where Israel failed, where Adam failed, where Jose failed, Jesus did not fail. So we enter into that Victory that we were singing about, and that is good news. Okay. Finally. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally. All of the treasures, this is my last one I'm going to give you. All of the treasures in whom, this is Christ, right? In whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is my last final Situation. I'm going to go to my last slide. This is the last situation. I'm going to close my Bible. So I don't have to seek knowledge. I'm not saying I shouldn't study. I don't have to seek understanding. I don't have to seek wisdom. I seek Jesus. And when I find Jesus... I find knowledge, I find wisdom, I find understanding, and I find what I often don't want to find. <laughs> what is most pertinent to me now, <laughs> which is usually Jesus addressing the obstruction in our life, because he loves us. That's good news, that's not bad news. So when we seek him, we find direction. We find all those other things we find in pursuing him. Okay, a spiritual experience without understanding is worthless. You can have a great experience. It can be real. It can be powerful. You were crying. It was amazing. But until you have understanding of that, it has no value to other people. Pharaoh's dream had no value until Joseph interpreted it. Until you get understanding, your experience has no value to others. 
Understanding is priceless. It makes you a commodity. You become a commodity when you have understanding. I, I'll give you an example. I, I, we, me and my wife were ministering in Latvia and Estonia. We had a child die one day before her birthday. And I got to preach the next morning. I am wiped out. I cried beyond I could imagine crying. I had no strength left in my body. I'm watching my wife lose a child on a missionary trip while we're preaching. It's like a disaster. And I, I'm waking up. I'm sleeping in a YWAM base in Estonia. It's a nightmare. And <laughs> it's depressing. And, and I'm there, and my wife is there, so it's even more depressing. And she, we just lost a child. We got Juan Sita, our intern, with us. And it's just, I think my brother was there too. It's just a terrible time. And I'm, I'm, I'm crying. I got no strength left in me. And I get hit by the angel of the Lord at night. Hit. Struck. Boom. And immediately strength and power came into my body. I didn't know what it all meant. I just knew I had strength to continue after that. My pastor said when I told him the story, he's like, oh, yeah. There were, that was the angel coming to get the baby. See, I had an experience, and I didn't fully know what it meant. But the experience became more powerful and more useful when someone had understanding. Immediately, he knew what that was. He knew. I didn't know. Understanding is, is what makes you the mechanic, not the customer. Okay? God wants to give you understanding. It's important. But here's the thing, last thing on that. If you don't get trust, you can't steward understanding. So you have to learn to trust the Lord before the Lord can entrust you with understanding. When you're learning to walk with God and you're learning to trust God, you will not have understanding. You get understanding as you learn to trust. Okay, applying what you know and understand is wisdom. So, so this is important. Maybe you know, and this is what we're going to get at on Wednesday. Maybe there's things that you know that you need to be doing, then you're not doing. It's okay. No one's judging you. I've been there. I still visit there. But now, let's ask God for the strength to do what we know to do and not do what we know we shouldn't do. That's what it is to be solid. Okay, to know... What to do is wisdom. To know why you are doing it is understanding. To know the why is very important. Very important. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have hidden wisdom, knowledge, understanding, not from us, but for us. And so I ask you, Lord, that as we seek you, you would give us the necessary knowledge and understanding to move forward in you, to follow you, to serve you with a pure heart, with a sincere heart, and that you would give us the strength and the wisdom to do what we know you're asking, even if it looks crazy or doesn't make sense. We pray that we would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.